This is High Stakes from Girard Inc. I'm David Schifrin with Girard Inc. This is the third and final of our New Year's series where we asked each of our five practice leads the same set of questions about what happened in 2023 and what to watch for in 2024. To close things out, we're running another two interviews back to back. The first is with Tim Stewart, a partner and our academic health system lead. As the name suggests, Tim's team serves academic medical centers and systems, those healthcare systems connected to institutions of higher learning with research and training programs. And then we hear from Emily Sheridan, vice president and leader of our national health system practice. This group provide counsel to provider organizations with a footprint that covers multiple regions, divisions, or communities across the country. To learn more about our academic or national practices, the work they do, and the clients they serve, check out gerardinc.com forward slash practices, J-A-R-A-R-D-I-N-C.com forward slash practices. At the highest level, Tim, what did you see in 2023 that you feel like was the biggest win or the biggest positive trend for clients on the academic side of things? So I think what we saw with a lot of our academic clients, or at least what felt positive progress is the number of clients in the academic space who are figuring out both who they're going to be and how they can best serve their communities. And so that takes a lot of different shapes, but particularly as more academic medical centers and health systems have partnered with community health hospitals and health systems, figuring out what that looks like, I think has increased or further bridged the gap between the ivory tower and community health in a lot of ways, as they're looking at different ways of providing care. So home hospitals, like a great example of this, and I think an area where academic healthcare is uniquely positioned to lead and is leading. And so that's an area where tapping into the innovation and the financial strength of academic healthcare is pushing more rapidly into patients getting care at home that they don't actually need to go to a hospital for. So that's something that is cool, I think. Any unique challenges that came to light for academics that you think are going to carry over into the next year or two? Um, I mean, I think it's a, there's an extension. There are all of the like obvious sort of industry-wide pressures, payer fights, labor's obviously been a big story of this year and one that we've all been talking about for years as inevitable. And this year I felt like really tipped on labor's might in healthcare. I don't, I, that's not going to go away. That's not going to change. And academic health systems have a different set of internal politics when it comes to labor. They've got a much more political politically diverse constituency in universities with their faculty. So they've got a whole bunch of different challenges than just some random company or even just like a regional health system. Yeah, and all of that, the most interesting area is in, I think, physician relationships, particularly as you're acquiring community hospitals or affiliating with community hospitals differently. And then you're bringing in physicians that may be community docs, may not want, may not be looking to be affiliated with the academic health system for a lot of reasons. You've got academic faculty and other physicians who 
like their rarefied status. So how those groups work together, how those groups come together, how they're compensated, like all of that, I think is really interesting challenge for academic health systems. So then, Tim, when you look at both sides of that, both the good of figuring out who they are and who they want to be for their community and the challenges of labor and physician relations, where does the communications team play into all of that? What do comms leads need to be thinking about going into the new year? Well, I think across all of these areas, there's a significant opportunity for communications as strategy, and that's where communications leaders ought to be playing, given other um, other technological developments that we've been talking about over the last year. The, the time of a communications department being the place that generates newsletters is probably limited. And so thinking about the internal and external political ramifications of all of the ways that academic health systems are growing, I think is probably the highest and best use of communications leaders and communications strategy. If you're in a room with an executive team, with a client team in your role as a, as an advisor to them, mm-hmm. and they're looking through all of this, they're trying to figure out like what the next step is. What's like the question that you as an advisor could ask to help them get unstuck, make the right next step. What are we trying to accomplish? I think that's often what, what is the end goal here? And if we can work backwards from that, then we can get some clarity. I, you know, as a firm, we talk about what's the win. That's another way of saying it. But I think that sometimes people get stuck in process or hurdles. And if we can stay focused on what the end result we're striving for in any given endeavor, I think is a useful way to reframe how to get there. Where do you see the good ideas coming from these days? It could be, you mentioned hospital at home being a huge opportunity, like new models of care, trying to avoid using the I word. But like, we usually think about academics as being the place where the innovation and the new ideas are coming from, which is true. I mean, you even alluded to that at the beginning. It's where the research is happening. It's where a lot of the testing goes on. Is there anything that you think that academics can learn from other types of organizations, whether it's healthcare or otherwise? I don't know. I don't, I'm not seeing a ton of like really innovative ideas from Walgreens or CVS or United Healthcare or any number of health systems that are truly changing the delivery of care beyond home hospital, which I think, and home hospital is instructive because like one of the major holdups and then hurdles removed earlier this year was in the reimbursement mechanism. And so like, that's what unlocks everything. I, I'm interested to see where academic healthcare can lead on innovations like or innovative approaches like that that are not driven to toward heads and beds and that are driven more towards both community health more broadly and then in the acute care space being able to deliver that care in a wider range of settings. You mentioned hospital at home a couple of times. Where do you see the right places for academics to be formally partnering or informally collaborating, working with other types of organizations to to achieve what they're trying to do, whether it's reinventing care delivery or just being a little bit more efficient? 
So, I mean, I think the biggest opportunity is in these is probably within health systems is in the partnerships with community healthcare providers. And I think modern healthcare had a big thing last week about how those partnerships will continue to pick up. I think that's the most interesting combination of like traditional healthcare providers is getting that, like being able to find the best path forward that combines the academic research and innovation and all the stuff that was associated with the ivory tower alongside truly community health providers and figuring out what that shared, like how we develop a shared mission, what that looks like, how do we pull the best from each and leave some of the excess behind. That feels interesting to me. So Tim, so the last question is what is one idea that you've seen from healthcare, outside healthcare, whatever, that you would like to see applied by healthcare, particularly your clients, but just in general? What's one weird idea that you think could be used? It shouldn't be a weird idea, but it does seem to be a weird idea. And we've talked a lot about it this year, but I would like to see healthcare providers get on the front foot as far as what their value proposition is to consumers going forward and in the face of some fairly founded attacks and some unfairly founded attacks from people with a wide range of entrenched interests. I think healthcare providers are still far too slow to advocate for themselves. And so something like price transparency, I think the story of price transparency is like an illustrative one because hospitals have been attacked on price transparency. They got dragged kicking and screaming into a machine learning version without taking the lessons of what the attacks were based in, which is we don't understand how any of this works. Can you explain it? And hospitals have said, no, not really. And we're not going to. So we, we need to think as a healthcare provider industry about how we genuinely make changes that are driven with the patient in mind? And then how do we advocate for ourselves as the people who can be most trusted to make those changes and deliver healthcare? Because I, I don't think that the sorts of regulatory, political, business attacks that we've seen are going away. And so in lieu of a genuine commitment to changing how we provide care and a genuine financial and political commitment to amplifying those changes, I think we're just going to keep seeing healthcare providers get marginalized as money splashes around this gigantic industry. Emily, thanks so much for your time. So let's start off kind of big picture. As a group, considering your clients holistically, what do you feel like was the biggest win for them in 2023 or some of the biggest wins for national health systems? As I thought about this, I think there were a lot of wins, but if we're thinking about wins that truly make healthcare better, it's how several of our large national health system clients have partnered with institutions of higher learning to not only help to solve the long-term issue of workforce shortages, but also help create a healthcare workforce that looks like the community that they serve, from the Common Spirit, Morehouse School of Medicine partnership, the Morin Common Alliance, 
to what HCA is doing with HBCUs and HSIs across the country and with their new medical school at Belmont. Yeah, it's, that's cool to hear. We I feel like several of these conversations, workforce has been highlighted, still being a challenge for sure, but it seems like a lot of things came together in 2023 and providers across the board are starting to kind of dig out from some of the difficulties of the pandemic and the post-pandemic, first couple of post-pandemic years. Okay, so anyway, uh, Emily, the flip side of kind of the big wins for 2023, what are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges that they faced and may continue to face going into the new year? The biggest challenge that I have dealt with our national clients this year is a system-wide cyber attack that hit a system of more than 20 hospitals that brought all of their operations to a screeching halt. And they had to go back to operating on paper and caring for patients without any sort of IT infrastructure. And then helping to communicate across that system what was up, what was down, and what was happening next. So yeah, again, I know Holly mentioned cybersecurity. It's come up a couple of other times. So that being like a very specific, cute situation, what are some of kind of the big picture pressures that national systems are facing? What we're seeing across the board is large national health systems have a big target on their back. They are big brands with large footprints across the country. And so their interest in preparing for various issues and advocating for either their nonprofit status or advocating for their place in the community There's a lot of interest there. And I think that as we look ahead to an election year, that's not going to change. Healthcare is going to be a major theme in the presidential election and in statewide and local elections as well. And so our health systems are going to continue to be asked, what is your position on a number of hot topics? And they really want to be prepared to answer those and to answer them consistently across their footprint. It's a perfect transition. It really tees up the next question. Well, looking at 2024, for some systems, that may be sort of a formal turning to the page in a business sense with a new financial year. In other cases, it may just be sort of a, a somewhat arbitrary, like fresh start. But regardless, at a high level, however you approach 2024 on the calendar, what do you see being different for national systems, for your clients, and kind of the way that they're looking things? I'm always hopeful that the next year is going to be even better. But I think that these reputational concerns stemming from payer negotiations and just increasing hot healthcare topics are going to continue to be a challenge for large health systems. I think that we're already also seeing our clients really want to measure the success of their communications and understand how their communications are resonating or even being opened by or read by internal and external audiences. So shifts towards platforms that can be really closely measured and making decisions based on the data is a trend we're going to continue to see our clients focusing on. All right. So you're talking about measuring success, using data to make decisions. There's still so much going on for healthcare leaders. There are a ton of decisions to be made. So if you are in a room with system leaders, with the executive team for one of your clients, what is the question that you would ask them as an advisor to help them get unstuck and take sort of like the the next step, the right next step? What I would love to say is, what would Dolly do? Because <laughs> I love Dolly Parton. 
But my real answer, I think that when we can get a client really focused in on what is the one most important thing that we need our people to know, to say, to do, if we can really take whatever issue it is and boil it down to a sentence or two, that helps them really focus in on what's most important and then figuring out the right channel and the right cadence and the right spokesperson that comes next, but really focusing in on what that key message is that we're trying to accomplish tends to break the ice a bit. Emily, what about cross-pollination, ideas that different types of provider organizations can learn from each other? Particularly here, what do you see happening across healthcare that you feel like national systems could really take away and, and learn from and apply? Uh, I would say that one thing our clients have learned not only from other healthcare organizations, but other kind of disparate uh, organizations where their employees are not on a computer all day is how to reach frontline workers. I was at a conference earlier this year and listened to how brands like UPS and FedEx are reaching their drivers and their warehouse staff and how large chains of convenience stores were reaching their employees that often only work in pairs and are really far removed from a corporate setting and a corporate office. And it was fun to hear those examples of how they're using platforms like First Up to reach those employees and then have a discussion with our health system clients about how can we implement similar technologies and similar strategies to create systemness and really get people to rally behind an organization's mission, vision, values. So then on a related question, what do you see uh, being the biggest opportunity for partnerships or even informal collaborations between different types of healthcare organizations? Yeah, I would say going back to what I was talking about in the beginning, when large health systems can partner with institutions of higher learning and with community organizations and work together to solve for some of the labor shortages that we will continue to face for years and likely decades, that's where there's so much opportunity. Um, just spoke with a client who released their quarterly earnings and labor costs are, are definitely the contributor to less than perfect earnings numbers. And we're not going to be able to fix that until we have more qualified healthcare workers who can jump in and work at a health system and then want to stay. If those... Uh... So for my last two questions covered the, the learnings from within healthcare. What about outside healthcare? What, and you kind of addressed this talking about UPS and first up in communications in general, but, but what's the one thing that your clients may have learned from outside of healthcare or, or could learn from outside of healthcare? Yeah, I think one thing our clients are learning, one is how to reach frontline workers instead of trying to get them to check their email when they're not on computer all day realizing where they are, what devices and technologies they are touching each day and reaching them there. That has been really cool to see and help implement at several health systems across the country. And I think the second is really the focus branding and how 
a brand for a health system is really in the experience that a patient has when they are at a doctor's office or they're in the emergency room or they're on the labor and delivery floor and how our mission, vision, values work, how some of our culture work can help take the branding that's on the front of the hospital and make that an experience that our patients really recognize and want to see and expect when they visit their health system. All right, Emily, last couple of questions here, kind of getting into the, the blue sky. What is, have you seen any unconventional efforts that a client took this year or is, again, considering in 2024 that has been successful or you think holds a lot of promise? I don't know if it's unconventional, but one of the clients that I've supported this year is new to the organi- new to her organization, new to her role as chief marketing and communications officer. And she has started with a fresh slate and brought us in to help her assess what the organization had in terms of team strengths and capabilities and what the organization needed to get from where they are today to where the president envisions the organization being in the future. And I've watched her take a lot of really creative approaches to taking her entire team offsite for a day and doing their first ever offsite retreat and talking with them about professional development, but also how do we better work together? How do we better work with our business partners across the organization? Stepping back from the day-to-day work to think blue sky and big picture with the team. It was really cool to watch how her team became more engaged, became more solutions-oriented, and started coming to the table with not just the problem, but, hey, this is how we've been doing things. Why don't we try this differently? So I think that was more of a approach to get an entire team to think differently and be a bit unconventional. All right. So then the last question that I've been asking everyone uh, to kind of get a sense of what, what you all and all the practice leads are thinking personally, what is one unexpected or unconventional idea that, that you've seen that you'd love to see translated into healthcare? And this can be as far out in left field as you want. You know, sadly, I think that a lot of the experiences that I really enjoy as a consumer, there are a lot of PHI challenges to replicate that in the healthcare space. But I would love for someone to come up with a solution that keeps your data safe and secure, but also helps tell you as the consumer, as the patient, what you need and what you should be doing for your health. That's not going just going to the primary care physician once a year, but is a more dynamic, ongoing relationship and experience. Target knows what I want. They send me ideas. Amazon does the same. I wish that I had a healthcare provider that could do that. And I think anything is possible. PHI challenges have certainly slowed that, but I'd love to see that happen. I think that it would have not only a huge impact on those of us who live like crazy busy lives, but also those who need more education around how to be healthier, how to make good decisions and when to seek care. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. Really appreciate your time. Cool.